When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ah, little replacements there, of course, from the state of Minnesota, and that is where the Frozen Four is taking place, 2018 Frozen Four. And uh, we are joined now by one of the, the best college hockey gurus around and a, an old friend of mine and a mentor as well, and that's Bob Snow, formerly of NHL.com, and now you can read all his stuff exclusively at BruinsDaily.com. Bob, how you doing? Okay, my friend James, obviously frozen four time the last weekend of the college hockey season after the Final Four in basketball. So it's always an exciting time uh, in the NCAA circles. Of course, this week also kicks off the NHL playoffs. So this first week in April is always a big deal for anybody who's into the puck pundit stuff. For sure. And this is the uh, officially the last Bruins beat of the regular season here on CLNS Radio. But we will keep going through the playoffs and probably more often – uh, and more frequently than we did in the regular season, as there'll be plenty to talk about. But we'll get into some Bruins and playoffs in a bit. Uh, let, let's talk about the Frozen Four right now, and specifically, as we record this, uh, it's early Friday afternoon prior to the announcement uh, on Friday night of who will be the 2018 Hobie Baker Award winner. Back for Borkstrom. Borkstrom digging, shooting. Oh, and he scores! Henrik Borkstrom! See you on Sports Center tonight, pal. Donato two on two. The trailer crew back to Donato. He scores. Ryan Donato's first goal is a Boston Bruin. And now point blank score. Gaudet gets his second of the night. Uh, and Bob, you've got a pretty, pretty good hunch on who might take it. And while there were no hockey East schools in the Frozen Four for the first time in recent memory, uh, there could be a hockey East guy taking home the hardware tonight huh yeah i think you look at the three finalists you know they call them the, the hobie hat trick finalists they start with 10 and then they went actually they start with about 25 and then they go to 10 then down to the final what they call the hobie hat trick finalists of course the three of them uh henrik uh, borgstrom the uh, kid from denver the sophomore this prolific goal scoring kid in the nca ranks number one draft pick of the panthers he's obviously a very formidable and a qualified and a you know, a Hobie Baker hat-trick finalist. So he's one of the three. Ryan Donato, of course, who's been kind of blasted all over the NHL news and the NCAA news the last several weeks, having left Harvard after his junior year to sign on with the Bruins and having a pretty good start with them, actually a very good start. We might get into a conversation about that and where that might go the next several weeks. So Donato, son, of course, of of, uh, former Bruin, Ted Donato, also a Harvard alum many years ago. And, of course, the third uh, hat-trick finalist is Adam Gaudet, 
course, this Northeastern kid, I think we have to take a look at Northeastern through a different lens this year. They made it to the tournament, made a little bit of an early exit, you know, losing to Michigan, but then Michigan ended up losing last night to Notre Dame. So that was no slouch of a loss for Jimmy Madigan's uh, kids from Huntington Ave. And, of course, you and I have been big Jim Madigan fans for many years. I think he yeah. was a great replacement, great replacement uh, for Greg Cronin when Cronin decided to go back to the NHL. Uh, but anyway, Adam Gaudet is the leading scorer in the country. Uh, Northeastern University, I don't believe they've ever had a Hobie winner. And if we're going to go out on a limb and talk about we want to talk about who might pull this off tonight. Yeah, let's do it. We want Let's talk let's about it. So well, as we remind our listeners, we are recording this prior. So we're going to let you know that Bob went on the record uh, here is, is giving his prediction. So here we go. Okay, here we go. Here, I'm going to give you. I'm going to go, take it a little different angle here, Murphy. I'm going to give you the two who I don't think will be. And obviously, by virtue of omission, we'll get down to the finalists. I don't think Bergstrom wins it from from Denver, and I'll give you two major reasons why. One is he's a sophomore. It doesn't make a major difference in whether they pick a sophomore or an underclassman for the Hobie Baker because both Donato and Gaudet are both juniors, but they're also underclassmen. But here's the major reason why I don't think Bergstrom wins it. It's because Will Butcher from Denver won it last year. And I don't see the Hobie committee giving a back-to-back Hobie to the same school. Hmm. Now, there's a certain amount of politics, if you will. I mean, I use that word politely. There's a certain amount of Hobie politics, I think, that goes into who the finalists are and then who the finalist chosen is. And Bergstrom being a follower of Will Butcher, who's had a great career this year for the Devils, um, I, I think Bergstrom being a Denver pioneer is a bit of a negative given that Butcher won it last year. So I don't think Henrik Bergstrom um, wins the Hobie. I do think Bergstrom leaves. I think he may have already left, actually. Uh, but anyway, he, uh, he's the number one pick of the Panthers, so I see him yeah, playing Yeah, he's already South on the Panthers roster, Bob. He's been playing with He's them. already on the roster, yeah. yes. Yeah, I thought so. So anyway, he's already left. I don't think Bergstrom wins it. Ryan Donato was a good conversation. Uh, I don't think Donato wins it, believe it or not, because Jimmy Vesey won it two years ago also from Harvard. So we've got potentially two out of three years with Harvard winning the Hobie. Again, this isn't to take anything away from Donato or Bergstrom, but I think it's a difficult sell for the Hobie Baker to be confined to one or two or three schools in that particularly short period of time. Does Donato deserve it? Sure. Does Bergstrom deserve it? Sure. But I'm going to give you my reason to go out on the limb and tell you why, obviously, by omission, Adam Gaudet, I think, wins the 2018 Hobie Baker Award for a couple of reasons. One, he's the leading scorer in the country. Now, that's a huge, huge um, piece of the, of the voting puzzle. It's very difficult to give the award when you've got the leading scorer to someone who is below the leading scorer. In, in a way, it doesn't make any sense to do that. The second reason is, as we said a few minutes ago, uh, Northeastern, I don't believe, has ever had a Hobie winner. And I think the Hobie committee likes to show the parity in college hockey by giving this type of an award to a school that never won it. Don't forget, um, uh, Northeastern finally won the bean pot this year. Uh, Gaudet and his two linemates with the leading line scoring in the country. This kid is a class act. He's, I think he's a Vancouver Canucks third-round pick. Help me out with that. Mm-hmm. Um, he is. He's, he's a potential. He's a potential quality um, pro prospect in the sh- in the short road ahead. So I think we'll go out on the limb, Murph, and I'm going to predict that Adam Gaudet wins the 2018 
Kobe Baker Award. And I'd like to get some your thought on that because you're you're a big guy in terms of Madigan and what he's done. And I think when a kid like Gaudet shows what he's done under a program like Madigan, I think those add up to a worthy Hobie recipient. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And I, 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 th- I could see him getting it as well. Um, I know a lot of Bruins fans are hoping Ryan Donato gets it. Uh, but I'm with you on that. And I, I look at Gaudet, uh, and, and look, I, I, I got to admit, I haven't watched uh, Borgstrom as much. I've seen plenty of highlights, but I haven't watched too many of his games straight through for the full 60. Uh, he looks to be a very uh, skillful, flashy player. I've heard some compare him to Pavel Datsuk. Um, but when you look at Donato, I think pure goal scorer, sniper, I look at Gaudet, and like you said, I just see him as the most complete player out of all those three. Yeah. And as you mentioned, the tutelage he's got uh, from Madigan. you got to remember, too, Madigan, former Pittsburgh Penguins scout, worked in their amateur scouting department. Uh, very good eye for skill when it comes to young up-and-coming players. And also, you know that he knows how the NHL works. And I think that he's probably passed along that knowledge and a lot of tips to Goddard as well. And that's why I see Goddard jumping uh, right into that Vancouver lineup next year. I uh, totally see him having an instant impact. The Sedin's just retired. There's going to be more space in the, in the roster there. They're really turning over a new leaf and really incorporating their youth there. And I, I see him becoming an instrumental part of that movement in Vancouver. So he's got a bright future ahead of him. And I'm with you as we, we go on record before here. We're both in agreement that Adam Godet will get the Hobie Baker Award on Friday night. And I think you're right about his potential prospect being a prospect on the, NA, on the NHL stage. He's the quintessential um, center, type of center. His build, his know-how, his yep. awareness of the ice, his leadership. Um, to a broad, I mean, people around the country don't know as much about the Beanpot as people do around the Boston area. But for Northeastern University to win the Beanpot, uh, that's almost bigger than certainly not winning the national championship, but going deep in the tournament. I mean, it, it was a huge, huge win for the program, and it was a huge win. And I believe, I don't remember the details, but I think God, that was instrumental in a couple of those goals in the Beanpot win. Yeah, he was. He was. He was great in the bean pot, and he's, he's got a knack for the the dramatic, a flair for the dramatic, as they say. So, be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Bob, you know, one of the things we've seen in Boston now, kind of segueing over to the Bruins, but staying with uh, the prospect theme here, is just the way that Don Sweeney and, and Bruce Cassidy have been able to, uh, you know, transition these kids in their system into the NHL roster. And you know, people will say, well, it in a way they didn't have a choice, uh, but I disagree with that. And I think that they've done a good job of getting these kids to come in and, and really feel comfortable right off the bat. What's been your take overall just on that youth movement, Bob? Well, I think we all know the Bruins had to go down this road the last several years. They, they've got four or five players that are picking up pretty close to 40, 45% of the total payroll, you know, from Rash to Krejci to, uh, to Bergeron to Chara. And there was absolutely a need for youth movement. That wasn't going to happen, we don't think, I think, as quickly as it did under, uh, under Bruce Cassidy's. It would have under Claude Julien. We all know that Claude, we won't use the word struggle, but he certainly wasn't quite the, uh, the lover of the younger kids, if you will. And I think that kind of, that kind of uh, handcuffed the Bruins organization in terms of what they were going to do with regard to a youth movement. Once Claude was let go, and then they had the exact polar opposite, coming in with, with, with uh, Bruce Cassidy, 
obviously all of his 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 uh service in Providence dealing with young kids from the get-go was a was a perfect perfect segue to him replacing Julian a year ago February. My my take on my take on on what Don Sweeney has done is well look at the NCAA guys first. I think it's a given, certainly in my conversations with people around the league, that Charlie McAvoy was going to step out uh, from from BU and on to the TD Garden Ice almost seamlessly without any interruptions from a so- as a sophomore to playing on the big stage. Uh, he certainly showed that if you want to look at a scale of 1 to 10, he was a 9.5 in that transition. I think that a lot of people assume that. I don't think that's as big a shock or a big surprise as maybe it would appear to be by virtue of how well he's been. He's a bona fide call to candidate this year. So McAvoy's first round selection, I think, helped me out in 2015. I think it was. 14. He was pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, 14. Yeah. He was pretty much guaranteed to step from from Walter Brown Arena, you know, Gannis Arena, onto the Garden Ice almost seamlessly. Look, guys, something we got to talk about here. I mean, it's it's weird to talk about, and you know? it's not something we us guys like to admit or be open about. But I mean. Let's face it, guys. It can happen anyone, from what I'm told, and people I know that have gone through it. I mean, it, it happens as early as, you know, your early 30s, up into the 40s and 50s. And then I, I, I'm not there yet. I'm in, I'm in my early 40s. But I'm guessing as we get older, if it's already happened, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen a lot. And you want to be able to take care of it. And this, this it that I'm take, talking about here is ED. All right? Um, you know, it's it's a, a sensitive topic, a pride issue for the guys. And l- let me tell you, guys, I was the same way. If if you're out there right now and you're suffering suffering from um, severe ED or even average ED right now, don't be embarrassed to go address it and see if maybe some treatment could help you out. Um, because you know what, I'm telling you, you're going to be satisfied after. I will say though, be careful how much you take, because I found out the hard way that those commercials that say if you've had an erection of six hours or more, then go see a doctor or go to the hospital. Well, I was pretty close to going to the hospital once in San Diego. And uh, it, uh, it, it, yeah, let me just say, I didn't time my usage correctly or the act for which I took said usage correctly because we had to go somewhere after. And uh, yeah, um, little Jimmy down there was still pretty happy. But of course, we're talking about erectile dysfunction. And you know what? Uh, I'm not afraid to say it. I've used uh, some treatment and, and seek some help, and uh, I've gone into the different products that are available, and um, I think you should too. I mean, let's face it, sexual performance issues are more common than you think. Over 25% of new ED cases are guys under 40. See? Told you. Now I'm reading facts here. This isn't just my estimates or my opinion. 40% of men by age 40 struggle from not being able to get and maintain an erection. No big deal. Take care of it. Your significant other is going to be very happy. Even the world's greatest actor can't fake one. That's, that's where the ladies have us. Uh, we can't fake it. They can. But you know what? Why turn to weird solutions or do nothing about it when you can turn instead to medicine and science? Forhims.com. That's the place to go, guys. I'm telling you. A one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and as we're discussing here, sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, ED can be optional, and HIMSS connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat ED, just like they treated little Jimmy. No waiting room, no awkward doctor visits, no lines. 
Save hours by going to forhims.com. And by the way, you know what? I mean, you do go to the doctor, you go to pick up this uh, prescription. It is a little embarrassing. Kind of like when you bought your first condoms there, you know, and you had to buy that magazine or that newspaper or that pack of gum just to kind of hide over what you were buying there and you're a little scared about it. Well, you know, same thing can happen here. So why even go through that? Why have to buy some extra items and waste your money? Just go to forhims.com. All right? You answer a few quick questions, you chat with a doctor for a confidential review, and the products are shipped directly to your door. All right? So listen, try HIMS for a month today for just $5. We'll get you started for five bucks while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to forhims.com slash Bruins. That's forhims.com slash Bruins. Forhims.com slash Bruins and tell you little Jimmy and big Jimmy Murphy sent you and enjoy. Let's take a look at someone like Heinen. Kevin Miller back to pick it up. Finds Backus in the seam. The Bruins get a breakout shorthanded. Danton Heinen just called up. Back to Backus. Heinen scores! Danton Heinen with his first NHL goal. Danton Heinen was one of the leading goal scorers for Denver. Uh, before he left his sophomore year. That's going to be two years ago now because he's been out, I think, two years. Um, but in any event, Danton Heinen had a little bit more of an adjustment to make. And I think Jack Edwards made a good comment last night during the Panthers game when Heinen scored, I think, the first or second goal. I forget which one it was. I think it was the second. But anyway, uh, Heinen scored the second goal. And Jack Edwards made the comment that he thinks that Danton Heinen has finally broken through the rookie wall. And I think there are a couple of reasons why I think that's the case. One is that he's been brought along by Bruce Cassidy. And two is that Bruce Cassidy has put a culture into the Bruins that says, look, we know you're going to screw up once in a while. We just don't want you to screw up as much as you could screw up just because, you know, you think you're here, you're going to last as long as you want. He's been able to get into these kids' heads that they're going to sit once in a while and try to look at the game or see the game from either level nine or from another perspective, you're not going to be, you're not going to dress for 82 games a year. So Heinen's got 15 goals. He's done a really good job. Um, he's come along. His, his maturation rate on the ice and off the ice has been measured carefully by Cassidy. So I think you look at somebody like Heinen and you see more of the Bruce Cassidy effect than you do on a Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And it, and it, go ahead. Go. No, no, I'd say, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, they really handled Heinen well. They weren't afraid to put him up top when they needed to and, and, and watch the game from level nine. And they weren't afraid to send him back down to Providence. But whatever they were doing beside, behind the scenes to kind of keep, keep his head up and not let him get discouraged by, you know, the, the, the healthy scratches or the demotions, we don't know for sure. But it shows on the ice. They did something right. And I, I just think that they're learning how to handle these young kids and, and go with them. And look, people are always going to say, and I, I'll, I'll argue this to my death. And, I, and I, I'm t I, I didn't think it's a complete stereotype. And I hate hearing it. And I'm, nobody is arguing that Bruce Cassidy's been unreal. I think he should be a Jack Adams award winner. But these people that say that, you know, Claude Julian wasn't doing this with the young players and Claude Julian ruined young players and he didn't know how to handle development. I, I think that's a bunch of malarkey. I think you look above, it, it's what, and it's more a knock on 
Peter Chiarelli's regime, and I, I think Chiarelli did a great job while he was here, but one of his faults was he wasn't developing well and he wasn't scouting as well. It, you look at the, what Sweeney's done with that, that's the difference. It's not, this isn't taken away from either coach. It's not necessarily just the coach that's the difference here. It's more the big picture. And I think there was a period, uh, Bob, you know, we look, let's look back to game seven. Uh, against the Canadians that they lose on home ice in 2014. And you kind of knew right then, like, that was it. You know, this is the window for that that sort of error was closing a bit there, and they get knocked off by their rival. And, you know, people uh, my age or your age, Bob, know, know that the Canadians have a habit of, of sort of stopping uh, the Bruins' progress when it comes to big picture and, and building dynasties and all that. The, the Canadians always get in the way, and they did again. And I think they went into this little purgatory there. And, you know, they didn't know, are we, are we going for the cup or are we retooling? And, and it was just sort of this, this sort of pull going on, I think, that happened there. And, and it created confusion for everybody from Providence on up to the, you know, to the Bruins level, even below with the prospects. They don't know what's going on. So I think that when you say you look at, well, look at the job Julian, uh, Julian did versus Cassie. And Cassie's done so much better with, Julian didn't have Charlie McAvoy. Julian didn't have nope. Dan Heinen. Okay? Julian didn't have Jake DeBrusque. He had none of these guys. And Cassidy had some of them in Providence, so he's already familiar with them. But those guys weren't on the roster. <laughs> and to c- compare and contrast him and Julian, I just think is unfair. I think Julian did a great well, job I- developing young players. And, Bob, I think the prime examples are, are Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand is not the yep. player he is today if not for Claude Julien. Yep, I, I agree. But I'm, I say to you that perception is reality. And the unfortunate part of that particular conversation is that for many people, Claude developed a perception of not working as well with younger players as he should have or could have. And unfortunately, he had to live with that label, whether Shirelli subliminally or informally put it around his neck or whether it was you know by virtue yeah. of not having had enough quality talent but at the end of the day, perception is reality. And unfortunately, Claude had to carry that label. I think it begs the question to continue the conversation about the young kids. You know, we look at, look at players like Achari, Nola Achari signed as a free agent. Tori Krug signed as a free agent. These are NCAA guys. Sean mm-hmm. Corrali, okay? You've got guys who are, who are playing third and fourth line, which you and I well know is as important as the first line when it comes to crunch time in games and during the playoffs because your first lines match up with so much talent that they tend to offset each other. So it becomes that second, third, and especially fourth line um, to be able to carry the play, um, whether it's to give the first line more rest or whether it's to chip in with some penalty killing. But you look at guys like Achari, played for Providence 2015, national championship team, Corrali, okay, um, out, of, out of Miami of Ohio, you know, with Rico Blasi, who sent a ton of young guys to the NHL, and I think the difference between the youth movement of maybe six or seven or eight years ago and the youth movement today is that the Bruins scouting has been able to bring players onto the roster after a year or two of getting ready to play at the NHL level who can stick. I don't think they did a good job of that before. Um, you, you know, an interesting statistic, I, I came up with this a couple of, you know, last year and this year, from 2011 to 2018, I believe the Bruins had 19 first or second round draft picks. 
And until McAvoy came along and, and Carlo came along, I think only two guys made the roster. I uh-huh. think one was uh, Ryan Spoona, and I forget the second one. But there weren't many who stuck with the roster until the last two or three years. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, you know, to circle it back and kind of loop it all together, I just – I see Sweeney as being a, a, a big difference in this. And, look, I – you know, I knocked him for some of his moves, but it, it, they're panning out, you know, and it seems like everything he touches. Look at the look at the moves he brought in, Bob, at the deadline, right? I mean, everyone talks about Rick Nash, um, but really the, the key moves have been Brian Jonter and Nick Holden, you know, and that's that's great scouting. That's that's know, knowing that your pro scouts are really on the ball and really communicating with them and understanding, you know, what guys, potential players we might bring in can fit in our lineup. And, and you see that sort of, I guess it circles back to what I'm saying. They just seem more on the same page right now. And, and I think, yeah. And you got to add, Tommy, you got to add Tommy Wingles to that. that oh yeah. To make sure. four. I, I, wrote, I wrote, I wrote a column back in the early, maybe a week with trade deadline. that I thought the Bruins should stand pat. I didn't think they should make any changes. I'm still not, I'm still not convinced that that, you know, that would have been okay. Even though these, some of these guys have canned out. I'm just not sure what's going to happen when the playoffs come. You know, I like Rick Nash, and I don't like Rick Nash. I mean, I think he's a <laughs> – I think a lot of people are like you, Bob. <laughs> my, my theory on Rick Nash is he's a goal scorer. He has yet to prove he's a gamer. And you and I both know you win cups with gamers. Yeah. Um, you, don't, you, don't, you don't win cups necessarily with goal scorers. You win it with gamers. Well, who's Brian he best Johnson friends with, Bob? Is, is, who's, Rick, who, who's Rick Nash best friends with that uh, kind of had that description here in Boston about 10, 13 years ago? Yeah, got, who was that? Got traded to San Jose. Used to wear number yeah, 19. Uh, yeah, well, Joe Jumbo Thornton, Jumbo. I'll tell you, the biggest mistake in the history of the Boston Bruins, and you and I have had this conversation so we can put it out there for the world, the biggest mistake the Bruins made was putting a C on an 18-year-old kid. That it absolutely fun. positively, it absolutely put him, I mean, and Kevin DuPont and I have talked about this. You and I have talked about it. It was one of the biggest mistakes when Michael McConnell stapled that C onto yeah. Joe Thorne's jersey at the time. age of 18. It was, it was pure it was, a, it was, it was, it was stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was stupidity. I got the wrong. You know, key. you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. You don't do that. To eight, you don't do that to an 18 year old kid, you know, who's coming from, his parents were, you know, educated family. I mean, the kid had, had, had a head on his shoulders. Don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between being a bona fide you know, number one pick coming in and then expecting to be the face of the franchise. Not a good move. Yeah, not a good move at all. If you're trying online dating, chances are you've run into lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, and random matches that don't turn into dates. eHarmony is unlike many other online dating sites. They take steps that other dating sites don't in order to find you a more compatible match. They are built to help you find lasting, meaningful relationships, not a shallow hookup site. eHarmony uses years and years of science, data, and psychological research to send you the right matches. Right now, my listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. Enter my code, BOSTONBEAT at checkout. Again, that's BOSTONBEAT at checkout. One more time. Boston Beat at checkout. So stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. 
Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com to get started. And don't forget, enter my code BOSTONBEAT at checkout to get that discount. Stop being miserable, get happy, and go to eHarmony. Let's look forward, Bob, and we're more present and forward. And, you know, as we wind down here, uh, Bruins just completed a, uh, a three-game road trip. We're really – it's hard to read, Bob. It, you don't, you don't, you don't want to jump off a, a ledge or get off – you know, get up on the Tobin and uh, do a nosedive. But, you know, is it – what's going on right now with the Boston Bruins? Is it a is – it is it strictly them hitting a wall after all the games they played and all the injuries they've dealt with? And, and really, you know, maybe while other teams – weren't in playoff mode, then playing in playoff mode for two months, maybe even three months, you could argue, straight, to now, you know, where they just, they seem lackadaisical out there, and, and yet, okay, so do we blame it on fatigue, or is there something deeper right now where maybe they're in coast mode and, and, and getting a little, you know, reading the clippings a bit, you know, getting a little cocky? I, I don't know how to read it right now. Maybe it's a combination of all that. What's been your take on – I don't want to call it a slump. It's three games, but, you know, that's, that's what, the longest losing streak they've had has been four games. So it's pretty close to a slump for this Bruins team. Yeah, and that was back in November. So you're looking at, what, four or five months yeah. since that happened. You know, if that's a really good question, and I listened to Bruce Cassidy last night in the postgame. Oh, he didn't hold he back. Used, eh? He used two or three words that I think hit the nail on the head about your question. He used the word urgency. He used the word, um, he, he talked about not, he used the word formula. The formula of playing from behind in this league at this time of this year is, is not going to get you wins. It's going to get you losses. And he talked about the fact that other teams are playing with more urgency and they're the times of they're the kind of play that they need to match up against. My, my take on the last three games is they played in three basically playoff type environments in the last three games. Mm -hmm. And they were very, very lucky to get a point out of Philly. I mean, Philly could not clear the puck three times in the last eight yeah. seconds. Yeah. They couldn't, they could not bounce the puck over the blue line. If they bounce the puck over the blue line, the Bruins lose. They mm -hmm. got totally demolished against Tampa Bay. And last night, as he, as Bruce Cassidy said, Tampa, I mean, uh, Florida wanted the game more than we did. Those are playoff-type statements. Those are playoff-type games. I think the last three games, and this is where I think Bruce Cassidy is concerned. I, I kind of I, – I don't want to say I read into his words or I, or I took something from his body language, but what I took from Bruce Cassidy last night was, man, if we're going to play like this into next Thursday and beyond, we're not going to get by the first round. You're absolutely right. And, and that's why, you know – I've been looking, you know, at the clippings and listening to people on talk stations around Boston, you know, really saying, oh, well, they'll have no problem with this team and that team. You have problems with every team. Any team can beat any team in that opening round. That's why they call it the toughest round of the playoffs, Bob. And it doesn't matter if you're the top seed or the lowest seed. You're going in with a clean slate. I don't, I don't care what people say. I mean, how many President's Trophy winners have won the cup? What is it, like four total? And, I mean, only two in the last 20 years? And it was the same team, the right. Red Wings? You know, so right, right. Don't, don't give me this baloney that, you know, like, oh, well, they, you know, it'd be great to get Jersey or Philly. No, it wouldn't. I'd actually, 
I'd rather play one of the top three teams than the bottom three teams if I'm opening up in the playoffs just because, as we saw last night with the Florida Panthers, and they, they've seen with other teams that are fighting for their lives, those are the most dangerous teams. Those teams are in a corner, and those are the, the, the most dangerous types of teams to face. And, you know, I, I think Cassidy's right. They've got to clean this up right now. I'm not, I'm not going to say that they got cocky, but I think they got a little complacent. And, you know, he brought up the whole coming from behind. They've been probably the best comeback team in the NHL. But maybe that's gotten into their heads that they think, well, we can do it any time, so we can take the beginning of the game off. And it's catching up to them right now. Yeah, yeah. the other factor I think this is a real big one is that they've been piling up overtime wins because Brad Marchand is out there while the other team is public skating. He's, he's flying around three-on-three three scoring goals like he's in stick practice. Um, <laughs> that's not going to happen in the playoffs. No. Uh, that's just not going to happen in the playoffs. And then, of course, you got to talk about the goaltending situation. But the other factor that we didn't touch on is that you've got these young kids who have yes. now gone through an 82-game schedule. Maybe they only played 60 games or 50 games, but that's a whole lot more than they played the year before and certainly more than college. And now they're going to play in the playoffs. And you and I both know, you know, the, 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 play, the, the, the 82 games is like exhibition season compared to the playoffs. It's a totally different game. Oh, it's insane. It's, it's just, and the physical it, piece of yep. the playoffs is referees put the whistle down more, and these young guys going into the corners with guys who have played in the playoffs before, it's a different feeling out there. And I think Cassidy's a little concerned about that, and I think that Bruins Nation should be a little bit concerned about the wear and tear factor on a younger, on a younger uh, team. Go back to the additions. Who's the most important addition when you look at it now? that Sweeney picked up. It's Nick Holden. He curls out of the corner to get a little space on Weegar, throws it in front, and Holden tips it in! Nick Holden sneaking down from the point. His first goal is a broad. Kyle yeah. goes down with a broken ankle. Okay, so whoever thought Nick Holden would be the most important pickup in, in the, at the trade deadline? Yeah. Nobody thought that. Nobody. Yep. Everybody thought Rick Nash was going to go out and score 10 or 15 goals and lead them to the promised land. It's been Nick Holden. He's been the most steady guy that Sweeney brought on board. And that right there, Bob, that's a great point. That's the one luxury that I think they've had all season. And I think that could save a potential, you know, wall that these, these youth might hit, that the kids might hit here in the playoffs. A potential, you know, them being shell-shocked a bit when they first get their first taste is that they have so much depth and, and their depth yep, yep. has been huge. And that's a credit to the management that they've done that, but I'm with you. And you know, you bring up the, the playoffs being a whole different type of game. And I thought the Bruins and it was really good. It was, even though they lost the game, it was, it was a great lesson. Unfortunately that I don't think they've applied yet and, and taken the lesson from, but was that loss at Winnipeg? Uh, was it two Tuesdays ago? That's playoff yep. hockey right there. I hadn't yep. seen – I don't know if you watched that game, but until that point, I had not seen one team beat the bleep out of the Bruins the way the Winnipeg Jets did and really impose a physical wrath on them and, and just really say, hey, welcome to the show, kids. This is what it's going to be like in a couple of weeks. That, that was a and prototypical I, example of what the, the playoffs are going to be like. The one good thing is I think the West – has more of those playoff teams 
versus the East. I think you see more speed finesse in the East right now than that. But the, it, it doesn't matter. It's going to become had, a heavy game. Yeah, and I've had Winnipeg as my – I've had Winnipeg as the sleeper to win the Cup. I don't think they you win it, but Halibut? I think if they, if, they, if they don't win it, if they don't win if – they, if they do win it, I'm not going to be surprised. And if they don't win it, I think they can make a good run. And I still think that Connor Hellebuck, who won the first Richter Award as the best goaltender in, in college for you, Lowell, I think in 2015 again or 14, uh-huh. I think that he, he's, he's the type of goalie who can carry a team deep, deep, deep in the playoffs. See, and, and that's, let's go back that's with their biggest that's worry. Right. In Winnipeg, you know, that's, I, what I they, that's their biggest question mark. And let's go back. Let's go step back and make sure we, we put an exclamation point after Matt Grizzlick because if Sweeney doesn't develop Matt Grizzlick and Cassie doesn't develop him the way he did the last couple of years, that kid's confidence could have been rocked and he would have been in the minors for the rest of his career. But they brought him along perfectly. Yeah, perfectly, they and they need they need him as if they, if he's not one of the starting six, he's going to be the seventh defenseman. And you and I both know that they're going to want to rotate those last three defensemen into the five and six slots when the playoffs start. Yep, for sure. And you know I, we've had this conversation, and I'll, I'll go on I'll go on record as saying it, Bob. And we've had this conversation up in level nine. You think I'm nuts, but I think Matt Grizzlick. You, you look at. If it's not this summer, it's going to be 2019. 2019, Don Sweeney, I believe, has about five entry-level contracts that are going to be up with all these young people. Yep. He's, in, he's yep. going to be in a pickle, and whether he likes it or not, it, it, it's not it's not him making a bad move or it's not him not liking the players. It's just going to be one of those things where the cap's going to force him to move people out. and if he continues with the trend he's going in where he's getting younger and younger, even though he's only 25, he's a huge cap hit compared to what these kids will be even in their second contract. I see Matt Grizzly maybe pushing Tory Krug out of the picture here and, and, and him possibly getting dealt in one of the next two summers. Well, you've been, you've been on that horse for a while, Murph, and We'll see if that and that's not enough. I love yeah. Krug. I love Krug, Bob. Please no, no, no. don't get me wrong. No, no. I don't think that's – I'm not trying no. to say that he deserves to be traded. I'm saying it's going to just be an unfortunate cap casualty. That's, that's what I feel you like. Can, you can only carry so many $5 million players. And they've still got a couple of years left on the big ones for Raz, for Krejci, for Bergeron. Mm-hmm. They just gave Chara $5 million plus a 1.75. Well, we didn't even million. get into that, Bob. I don't I want, I want to get your take on that. But we'll, we'll, let's keep I, it. I don't understand. Murph, I don't. Look, I wrote a column a month ago that Chara should be re-signed for two years at $9 million, okay? That's mm-hmm. 4.5 a year. I have no idea, nor do I understand, I still don't understand. I understand why, why Sweeney gave Chara a one-year deal. Okay, make him prove it every year. I don't understand the 1.75 in incentives. He could have given him nine for two years <coughs> if he ends up paying those incentives anywhere near the total amount, and he would have had a bargain for two years without the incentives. I, yeah. I don't. I don't understand. I don't yeah. understand the contract structure. I, 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 just, I think I don't it's get a great it. argument for both, but I, you know, I think it goes back, Bob. The one year goes to what I'm speaking about right now is is that 2019 summer that Sweeney's Sweeney's already looking at that and saying, you know, yeah, I'm I'm screwed. Like, what am I going to do right now? Like, I think he's already putting, you know, the dominoes in place to lead into that summer as to how he's going to approach it. And, and 
And good on him if that's the case, because obviously he's got a lot of things to worry about in the present, but you have to look at that. And I think that's why – I think Chara – I don't have this. This is just me hypothesizing. I have no proof of this. I also think Chara might have looked at him and said, hey, look, Sweens, I know you're screwed in two summers, and I want to stay, and if we can make it, I'm going to sign past an extension for that summer as well if we can. But I know that you're in a tight position, and I don't want to lock you in right now where it forces you to maybe have to trade Tory Krug or, or somebody else that you don't want to. Maybe, maybe Char and him kind of came to an agreement like that. I don't know, but I, yeah. I, do, I do have this one question, right, Bob, and I want to get your take on it. And you look, you're looking at those young kids right now, and, and we, we've discussed the – you know, the qualities of each, whether they're a scoring type, whether they're more puck sense, like a, a Danton Heinen. Um, if you're looking at that young core right now, it, is there a player that has kind of stood out to you and you said, I don't know if he's good for the long haul. Like, I, I don't know if this kid is tough enough or, or has. You know, is he just going to be a streaky type player? Is he going to be a, a flash in the box? Is there anybody that's kind of stood out to you like that so far? Um, I, you know, Murph, in all fairness to the question, I think that we need to get through the playoffs and then into the early part of next season because those guys are on the third year of their entry. Mm-hmm. I, uh, we, we should add an asterisk to this conversation, though, that they're going to have to extend Charlie McAvoy for $30 million for five years sometime yeah. early next season. Yeah. So there's another, huge, there's another huge cap hit coming in the middle of that. I mean, the cap's not going to go up. Any more than any more than three to maybe four million dollars. Yeah, and we've, what, heard it, we've heard it. How many times we heard it's going to go up, Bob, and then it flatlines? You know, like don't be surprised. Yeah, well, if it doesn't go as much as they say. That's because that's because of the Canadian dollar. That's yeah. That's what's driving that cap from not going up. I guess if I had to pick a player or two, aside from the guys who I don't think are going to be long term, I think Brian Johnson. This is a great exclamation point oh, yeah. on his career. Perfect. Um, but at the other end of the of the scale. You know, maybe guys like Corrali. I don't see Nolachari going anywhere. He's too much of a key piece of the defensive puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's not fair to pick those names out yet because of what's coming for playoffs yeah. and what comes for next year. This roster is not going to change much next fall. No. no. And I'm what with. you see now is basically the team you're going to see next year. And then, like you say, Sweeney's got to deal with the, uh, with the dollars and cents to figure out how to make the longer-term puzzle parts work. But a Matt Grizzlick, you know, who comes onto this team, and a Brandon Carlo, I think who struggled a bit, but he's still a, he's a bona fide number. He's a bona fide number four defenseman. You know, these guys, I think, are with the Bruins for a while. And one thing the Bruins have done a really good job the last couple of years is building the team from goaltender and defense out with some really talented forwards coming into their own, especially Marshan and Pasternak. I mean, those two guys, you know, they've earned their dough this year. And Patrice Bergeron will earn his dough until the last time he puts the skates on. So, you know, they've got that core up front for leadership and, and, and veteran. And then they've got the kids who've come along and been developed. So I think what you see now is in place for the next several years, not several, maybe two or three years, give or take one or two parts having to be moved for whatever reason. Good stuff, Bob. Good stuff. Well, hey, Bob, this is... Uh... We gonna... Hey, listen, are we going out on a limb and talk about who's going to win? The NCAA championship, yeah. Notre Dame against Duluth. Oh, you know who I'm picking. I'm a, I'm a Notre Dame fan, true and true. So uh, I'm going with the Irish, my friend. Jeff Jackson. Now, Jeff Jackson, believe it or not, has the highest winning percentage 
of any college coach in the history of college hockey. You know that? Really? Yeah. Wow. But on the other hand, we're going to part ways here, Murph. I like Notre Dame. Uh, my my heart says Notre Dame, but my head says Duluth, and I'll tell you why. Um, Duluth plays in the National Collegiate Hockey Conference. Notre Dame jumped over to the Big Ten. It was great to see the Big Ten with three teams at the Frozen Four. You had Notre Dame, you had Michigan, and Ohio State. But Duluth knows how to get out ahead in a game and hold the lead. And Notre Dame tends to hold the game close. They're kind of like the Bruins, right? and hope they can score at the end to win it. That's the way they played. Yeah. They had 2-2 against Michigan last night before they came back to win it 4-3. They were 1-1 with Providence and didn't score until the last couple of seconds, which crushed Providence hot because they were at least as good, if not better, than, than Notre Dame in terms of the brackets. So I'm going to take Duluth, who don't forget, don't forget, uh, they won it in 11, and they lost last year to, to Denver 3-2. So Scott Sandlin's boys know how to play in the big game. That doesn't mean Notre Dame doesn't, but I'm going to pick Duluth in the final three to two. Well, Bob, I'm going to have to leave you with my, uh, one of my, my favorite jokes from my fine Notre Dame friends in, uh, in Holyoke, Mass. I'll leave you with this joke, Bob. Knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Banana, na, 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 na. Oh, my friend, go Murph. on. Murph, it's Saturday afternoon. You haven't hit the pub. I'm proud of you. <laughs> hey, listen, Bob, it was great having you on this, uh, your first, your, your pioneer voyage here uh, into the podcast listen, world. Listen, you know? this is my first podcast in history. Yeah. I made a few podcasts, but that was out in the, uh, out in the ocean and on the lake. Hey, Bob, you know what? It's like I said uh, to you off air there, you know, it's like that scene in Goodfellas where you, you broke in, you know what? Oh, you broke in, Jerry. Coming yep. right in, and uh, yep. at least you didn't have to go to jail, though. That's always good. That's, that's, that's right. Anything that keeps us out of jail gets us to level nine. <laughs> hey, listen, buddy. Always a pleasure. I'll see you at the games, all right? Okay, buddy. Take it easy. Have a that's good Saturday. Bob Snow of... Oh, is it Saturday? I thought it was Saturday. <laughs> There we go. We're getting old. Bob Snow at BruinsDaily.com. Check his work out there. we got to get him, get him on Twitter as well soon. We'll see what we can do about that. Uh, but this has been another edition of the Bruins Beat here on CLNS Media. Go Irish. The miracle finish. Notre Dame will escape. They'll get one more chance. Morrison. Can they do it again? Morrison. Shot. Score! Oh! Oh! They do it again!